0: Hallelujah. This is um, a weekend of celebration. Amen. Amen. We're celebration liberty. We're celebration of freedom. We're celebrating some awesome, wonderful, great things. So I want to start today by showing a video clip. So we have a little bit different service today. So I thank you for your patience with those wonderful people that said, yes, we'll try this. Back there at the soundboard. So, but first off, I want to start with a video clip. So, hallelujah. You know, one thing to always remember, that freedom isn't free. It cost somebody something, didn't it? I just want to take a moment. We're going to pray over the word, and then we're going to get into some, some things today that I believe are going to minister to us and, and reinforce some things in God for us. So, Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you, Father, for the freedom that your word produces. For your word says the truth is what sets us free. And as disciples, we know the truth so there can be freedom and liberty in our life. Right now, I take authority over bands and shackles over us and our lives. And I declare the freedom of the Holy Spirit in this house that whatever has made us bound, whatever has made us cower, whatever has become heavy on us, this day will be broken. And we thank you and praise you for it in Jesus' name that this word comes forth unhindered, uninterrupted, uninterfered with. And we thank you and praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. So I have a little PowerPoint thing that we're going to do today, and um, it's a day like today that I wish this podium was about triple the size, because it would make it a lot easier, but it's not. So um, we have to recognize, you can turn the house lights up a little bit if you need to, so people can see to write if they want to take notes. So we celebrate Independence Day, July 4th, 1776. Now, um, for some people, they think, well, that's the day we declared um, that we got free. No, it was the day that they agreed on the words of the declaration that they were going to send to Great Britain. That's the day they agreed. Okay, we've got all the drafting done. They've been working on this for some time. And this was the day that the words of the Declaration of Independence were confirmed by the Second Continental Congress in Philadelphia. Now, I want to point out that they had worked for 11 years to bring a peaceful resolution between Great Britain and the 13 colonies. They worked for 11 years to come up with some peaceful end to all what they considered tyranny, and they couldn't get a resolution. In fact, the last resolution they sent to Great Britain, the king never read it, never looked at it, and disposed of it immediately. So, with that being said, they decided we're going to have to do something that it was not going to be handled by a peaceful resolution. All right? Um, So, this revolution that we call the Revolutionary War was not entered into rapidly. It was entered into with great consult and with great thought, okay? So the next slide then. So the Declaration of Independence was actually signed by 56 men. And none of these people thought they would be recognized as heroic down the road. They didn't do it because they thought they were going to have fame and fortune from doing this. None of them thought that way. They knew that their signature on the Declaration of Independence made them a traitor. And so if they were caught, they were subject to the death penalty what, that, just because they signed it. John Hancock, how many of you have ever seen the picture of the Declaration of Independence? You know, and John Hancock's name is extremely big on it. And John Hancock didn't do that because he was the first. He specifically wrote it as large as he could so that the king would see that it was his name and that he could read it even without glasses or spectacles and that the reward on his head would be doubled. We're talking bravery in this this situation. And in fact, if you can go to the next slide, John Hancock makes this um, statement about these men. He says, we must be unanimous. There must be no pulling different ways. We must all hang together. And Benjamin Franklin responded, yes, we must indeed all hang together, or most assuredly, we shall all hang separately. They tried to keep the attitude light. In fact, one of the men said um, to another one, well, it's going to be an easy thing for me because I don't weigh much. So I'll probably, I mean, I weigh a lot. I'm overweight. So if they hang me, I'll die quick. But this little guy over here that signed it, he's a lightweight. He's probably going to struggle for hours. This is the comments that were going on in there because they knew when they signed the Declaration of Independence, it was the same as a death sentence, all right? So of these 56 people that signed the Declaration, we can go to the next one then. Nine of them died of wounds or hardship during the Revolutionary War. Five were captured or imprisoned, in some cases with brutal treatment. The wives, sons, and daughters of others were killed, jailed, mistreated, persecuted, or left penniless. One was driven from his wife's deathbed and lost all his children. The houses of 12 signers were burned to the ground. Seventeen lost everything they owned. Since everyone was marked as a traitor, they all were hunted. Most were at one time or another barred from their families or homes. Their fortunes were forfeited, but their honor was not. In all of this, there was not one single signer of the Declaration of Independence that defected or changed his sand even in those dark hours. Not one of them changed their mind. Not one of them did the pressure get too great that they backed up. Not one of them recanted the sacrifice that they were willing to make. Not one of them. They, it wasn't because it was an easy life. It wasn't because they were famous. It was because they were determined that the freedom that they were after was worth everything that they had and possessed. Right. Yeah. See, there was something deeper working in them than just the fact I'm going to do the right thing. That was working in them is what's America going to look like in 10 years if we don't take a stand? What's it going to look like for our children and grandchildren? What's it going to look like if we don't do this? The bottom line is the message of the day. The next, the next, freedom wasn't free, somebody paid for it. Somebody sacrificed for it. Somebody risked their life for it. Somebody was willing to put it all on the line for, um, for us to truly have freedom. There's a book I recently read called The Indispensables. And in the, the book The Indispensables, written by Patrick O'Donnell, is a very good book, but it's written about a particular community during the Revolutionary War. And this community was, the town was Marblehead and Beverly were the two towns, but specifically Marblehead. And the town of Marblehead was a town of fishermen um, back in Revolutionary War times. Now, fishing back then wasn't quite like fishing now. I mean, you had to row out to where you were going to fish you know, and then you had to throw the nets over and you didn't have electronics and you didn't have data. You didn't have a fish finder screen to watch. You understand what I mean? These men were um, bold, brave, and strong. And in fact, the picture we know of George Washington crossing the Delaware, it was the Marblehead Regiment that were the captains of the ships, They were the ones, because they were so good about maneuvering ships and boats through difficult waters. So they were recruited to be basically the naval academy of the Continental Congress. And some of them even called them, because of their abilities and statures, the first marines is what they were called. And these men... Um, In this community, it's not a large community, but these men gave a lot. And if we go to the next slide, the Marblehead Regiment, after the Revolutionary War, the town had 378 widows, which was 35% of the entire female population in this one town. 652 children would never see their father again. The regiment fought for no monetary gain and became broken physically, economically, and mentally. Some even paid the ultimate price surrendering their fairy lives. Now, we need to understand in the Revolutionary War, it wasn't like there was an age gap of age of 18 to 24, you're drafted. Um, Some of the people in the Revolutionary War that fought or beat drums or carried messages were as young as eight years old. And many of them were in their 60s. We, all hands on deck is what it was. Everyone needs to fight for this common cause of freedom. So in light of that, for the Marblehead Regiment, there's one thing we know about it. Next slide, freedom wasn't free. It cost them something. It costs them a great deal. So um, in the Declaration of Independence, I want to go to the next slide, they had some things that were in there. They personally pledged our lives, our futures, fortunes, and our sacred honor. And they also understood this. Man's rights came from God, that government must be based on the consent of the governed. And when governments become tyrannical they may be resisted and replaced the document ends by clearly affirming that the patriots had a firm reliance on the protection of divine providence meaning they believed in god They believed they were moving with God. They believed that this was a God appointment. In fact, one person said, after they supernaturally won a battle, they said, surely this confirms that God's on us, that we will be a holy nation. George Washington, the bullets he took through his coat that never pierced him. All of these things confirm one thing, that they believed in freedom but that God was the author of the freedom they were in pursuit of. And they understood clearly, the next slide, freedom wasn't going to be free. It was going to cost them something. Now, the Revolutionary War and this whole declaration came about because of many things, but one of the things I want us to understand today that it came about taxation without representation. So the scripture says in Matthew 6, 24, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, the reason this is relevant is this, that Great Britain was taxing the American people in any way or form that they could. You know, and when I was in school, I heard about the the Stamp Act. And I thought, oh, we're talking about postage was too much, right? No, what it was that every paper, newspaper, anything in written form could only be printed on a piece of paper that was stamped by the king, meaning they'd had to pay taxes or duty on that particular paper. So there could be no paper that was going through society that was without that stamp. He wanted a piece of everything they did. And then they began to tax things like tea. You've heard of the Boston Tea Party. And everything that became a staple or a substance that they needed in life, they were taxing. What had happened is Great Britain had found a way to use the American colonies as a massive fundraiser. And we know according to the word of God that the love of money is the root of all evil. So what was happening, and this is where I'm, we're going to try and shift into some things in the spirit realm. What was happening is they were trying to cover us with their spirit of greed to make their life better. But understand, according to this scripture, there's only two masters in life, God and mammon. Now, mammon includes money, but is not exclusively money. Mammon also includes stuff, possessions, um, pride things. Anything like that is mammon. And you can't serve both. And what was happening is these people that were citizens of what was to become the United States were wanting to serve God, but there was an encroachment always on them of someone serving mammon. So what they were doing was not just declaring independence from our nation. They were also declaring independence from ones that serve the spirit of mammon that we will not be controlled, dictated to, and live under someone that is all about money in their pocket. Do you hear what I'm saying? This was not about just getting rid of a bad government. This was uprooting a spirit of mammon. Amen? All right. And they were, had never been recognized as a people... Or a nation, but they were enslaved to be a support without opportunity to respond or speak. And if you go to the next slide, this war is still the same. It's still good versus evil, light versus dark. This is still what we're trying to throw off of us, that spirit of mammon where people are consumed and concerned. How do I get the most out of you for my personal benefit? Okay? The war then and now is still the same. And we need to understand, the next slide, freedom isn't going to be free. Amen? It's never free. So, let's look over and what Jesus said about freedom. Jesus said in John 8:36, "If the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed." Okay, so we see here that Jesus can make you free. Jesus can make us free, not just as a nation but as a person. Jesus is the one that can make us free. And if Jesus makes us free, We are free indeed. But I want you to understand, our freedom wasn't free. Jesus had to pay for it. Jesus had to pay for it. He had to do something to make us free. Because never ever does freedom come without someone paying a cost. Someone has paid for that. Someone has paid for that. You know, when I was a kid, we had the um, privilege of going to the county courthouse and getting cheese and peanut butter. Does anybody else remember that? When you used to get those treats and subsidies, it was assistance for us. But to us, that cheese and peanut butter was free. But somebody paid for it. Somebody paid for it. You know, a shoplifter walks out of the store and says, look at all the free stuff I got. Somebody is going to pay for that. That check we get in the mail called stimulus, somebody is going to pay for that. It's not free. Somebody is paying for it. Hallelujah. You go to a school maybe every day, you know, if you're a young person, and you go sit in a classroom thinking it's free. Somebody is paying for it. Somebody is always paying for something, even if it's entitled free, amen? So even though it may be free to us, someone else has paid for it. So Jesus was paying for the fact that we could be free. Free doesn't mean it's free. Free means someone else paid for it. Amen? So Jesus paid for our freedom. In his payment, it was necessary that he give his life, die, bury, go to hell, resurrect, and ascend, and then we can be free. There was a cost in all of that. There was a cost in all that. And all of it was necessary for our freedom. In fact, the cost was so precious and so priceless that the blood he shed is still on the mercy seat in heaven where he placed it to let the Father know, I paid for their freedom. It's still sitting there on the mercy seat in heaven. And that blood sitting there is a reminder that It was bought and paid for because, the next slide, freedom isn't free. It never is to everyone, everywhere, at all times. Somebody paid for it. Amen? So what freedom did Jesus pay for? Hallelujah. In Romans 6, verse 14, it said, Sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. So one of the things Jesus paid for was the fact that sin would never have to dominate your life again. Now, when we think of sin, we think of wrongdoing or missing the mark or making a mistake. But it wasn't very long ago I preached a whole series on what sin is. Sin is separation for God, from God. So we need to recognize Jesus paid for any separation from God and filled in the gap. He filled in the gap. We never have to be separated from God ever again. We never have to be distanced from God ever again. And it's saying sin shall not have dominion over you. So sin cannot rule over you Sin cannot be Lord over us. Sin cannot be the influence on us. Sin cannot have power over us because Jesus paid a price for us to be free. So, no separation from God should be in our life because there was a price paid that we are free. From all that separation. Never should we be separated from God. So if we are separated from God. Let me just give you a clue. God didn't move. God didn't move. God doesn't separate himself for you. That would be foolish to think. That he paid for it with his own blood. And says now I don't want them. That's not God. God has bore the price of you being connected to him. Not just of getting to heaven, but to live a life here that you are never separated again. See, Jesus paid the price of our union with the Father. Amen? But we have to remember that in itself. We have to remember what it says, that freedom isn't free. Jesus paid for it. See, and what happens when we stop acknowledging what someone else has paid for, for our freedom, we stop valuing that freedom. And we begin to take it for granted. We have to keep it at the forefront of our mind. God paid for this. Jesus shed his blood for this. Otherwise, we just think, yeah, I'm here to do what I want to do. See, there is value on it. Have you ever, well, let me say it this way. Some time ago, and I shared this with our prayer team because it was a, an honoring thing for them. But one morning on the way to prayer, I was thanking God for the veterans and those, the founding fathers, those that gave their lives for our freedom. And I just said, Father, I thank you that they were willing to give it all that we could be free. And he spoke to me in that time and he said, but you need to understand that you right now, your team, your prayer team is paying a price right now for other people's freedom. I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. You know, sometimes we lose the fact that our life is working because somebody else is praying. We lose the fact that someone else has had more to do about our place and our position than we know about. You know, and so I've gotten in the habit when he spoke that to me, I've gotten in the habit when I go to bed at night and it's been a good day or there's been something breakthrough or something good has happened. I say this to the Lord, Father, thank you. Right now, I want you to bless and honor all those that have prayed for me. Because we can't do anything without that support. And you say, well, how do I know somebody's prayed for me? Because Jesus ever lives to make intercession for us. That's right. Somebody has been more entangled in your spiritual life than you even know. Someone else is holding the banner of God's love, peace, and forgiveness over you than you know. Someone else has done more for your freedom this week than you even can recall. Someone else has done something for you just because you're not aware of it. How many times have you ever prayed for somebody and they didn't even know it? There's been people I prayed for on the other side of the earth and all I got was a name. They wouldn't know my face. They wouldn't know my voice. They wouldn't know anything about me, but I know their life was changed. I know it was different because the Spirit of the Lord is my connection to what we do in light of freedom. Amen? We need to get the understanding that freedom isn't free. Somebody's probably paying a price for us, even beyond just Jesus right now. Caleb was up here. I didn't tell him what to say about prayer. I didn't tell him what to say about prayer. But he said, I don't know the words he said, but it reminds me, and I haven't seen this movie either, so somebody else have to fix me. They only give me the PowerPoints of the movies is all they give me. Um, But I think it was a movie called Saving Private Ryan. See, y'all seen it. Praise the Lord. But it's all, is it, help me up. It's a story of people going in to rescue a particular uh, young man because the rest of his life is gone, right? Uh, his family is gone. His brothers have been killed. So he goes in there, and people are giving their lives. People are risking their lives to save this one man. And at the end of the movie, the, man, one, the other man is dying, and he said, What's he say? Deserve this? Earn, thank you, earn this. Meaning people died in sacrifice for your life. Now earn that. Because if you just spend your life doing whatever, however, wherever, you have diminished the price that was paid for you. Amen. And the Spirit of the Lord has given his life for you. Earn that. Earn that. Don't waste it. Don't waste the fact that Jesus gave his life and bled for you for freedom. Don't waste the fact that somebody gave their life and surrendered, that somebody else is praying and interceding for you. Don't waste that. Make yourself deserving of it. Amen? Amen. Hallelujah. So, another thing that Jesus paid for going on to... um, Let's go on to John 8, 34. Jesus answered them and said, Most assuredly I say to you, whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. Now, it's interesting here because you would think you're a slave of sin, so you commit sin. No, he paid for a freedom that sin has no power over you But if you willfully continue in sin, you become a slave to it. You become a slave to it. See, the slavery of sin is not that there's a dominant thing in the spirit working against you. It's rather that I've been obedient to that sin, or I'm willingly sinning, or I choose to sin. What happens now, you are losing your freedom... And now you're a slave. And it's interesting that um, we come into the kingdom of God. We accept the Lord. We become born again. And we get this this whole boatload of potential and possibility. We get all this potential and possibility. You have the potential and the possibility of being uh, free from sin. You get the potential and possibility of absolute salvation. You get the potential and possibility of absolute health and healing. You get the potential and possibility of all kinds of prosperity. You get all of this when you come into the kingdom of God. But potential doesn't mean manifestation. Potential means opportunity. It doesn't mean manifestation potential means there's a chance of but it doesn't mean it's a guarantee yeah. right. see there is a qualifying and this right here is saying that Jesus made you free but you can go under bondage anytime you want you can go back into bondage anytime you want even though freedom has been paid for for you hallelujah And slavery means that there is no more representation, or you don't have control over, and you don't dominate the situation. And then what happens is you find yourself in a bondage place, a bondage place where you need to come out of. And it's all because you willfully yielded or surrendered to that thing. You have the potential. Of being completely free. It's interesting. It's like this. Let me, let me, thank you. Hallelujah. You know I had to have one prop. (laughs) So, this is what happens we get born again, we get saved, and we are made free. All of heaven is available to us, everything of heaven. And so, we are walking along in our freedom but we're not realizing there's a cloud hanging over us because of sin, of separation from God. Even though I know by thought God is there, I don't have any sense of his presence here because there's a barrier between us. And so what happens is we think we're completely free because we can move and walk, but yet this thing... Is hanging over us with restriction. Ask the alcoholic and they'll tell you, I can stop anytime I want. Then see the proof in the pudding. It's not there, is it? Because the potential of being free, but this, this what we're subjecting our will to, keeps us in bondage. Are you okay? It's really shadowy underneath here. (laughs) But our camera people are saying, ah! We, We need to understand that. And there's a lot of times as believers, we can say we're free, we're free, we're free, but we're offended. Here it is. Here it is. The offense is keeping us in darkness that we think we're walking cuz i can move about i can i can go to the store offended i can i can go and i can go sleep at night being offended but i'm not really free because there's a shadow cast over me spiritually i'm not really free i have the potential of freedom but as long as i want to walk in offense i'm not free as long as I want to keep doing this, I'm not free. Well, God loves me. God loves Adolf Hitler. But he was not free, right? See, what happens is we feel because we can move and operate under our bondage that we are free. That's not the kind of freedom Jesus paid for. The kind of freedom Jesus paid for is there's no bondage present. You can be saved but in bondage. And that isn't freedom. You can go to heaven and not be free until you get there because of bondage you allowed here. I watch Christians all the time like this. And what they say is, "Um, I am free. I don't like them anymore. I'm just rude. They don't know they're rude. But see, being a Christian does not give you a reason to be a snoot. Because you're not free then. Being a Christian does not give you permission to pout. You're not free then. See, being a Christian does not give you validity to your excuse because you're not free then. If you have to pull up an excuse for poor behavior, you're not free. If you have to pull up a reason why you act like you do, you're not free. Now, the interesting thing about it, I can walk along in life saying I'm free, but everybody else can see the dark cloud hanging over me. Everybody else can see the dark cloud hanging over me. And I could even dance underneath here. I could do a jig. I could do a two-step, and that's as far as I'm going to go, babe. I could do all these things, and I can declare, look at me. I can move. I can exist. I can go around. I'm a believer. I can tell. But the problem is this cloud is hanging over me. And see, this cloud isn't affecting all of you nearly the way it's affecting me. It's affecting me. So I am free, but I can't go a day without thinking about how you've wronged me. Well, you didn't even know you wronged me. But this bondage I'm under, that I don't have freedom, is costing me. I'm not really free. I'm saying I'm free, and you can see I'm not free, but yet. My life and my choice is not permitting freedom. You know, the other day I heard um, someone on television say, I'm, I'm a Christian, I'm not perfect, but I'm forgiven. And when they said that, which I don't deny that, and that's, that's a true statement. But when I heard that statement, I don't know whether I misheard it or the Spirit of the Lord was trying to show me something, but I heard i'm a christian i'm not perfect but i'm forgiving i'm forgiving see we want to gloat on the fact that we're forgiven which i'm not taking away from that but we have to get ourselves to the place because i'm a christian i am forgiving i am forgiving because i'm a believer I'm not holding anyone else accountable. I don't own the hurt that someone's trying to inflict on me. I'm not owning the pain someone else is trying to put on me. I'm not owning it. Me and Jesus, we're connected together, and I am forgiving of what's been done. Did it hurt? Absolutely. Did it reach to the core? Absolutely. But what I have to understand is I have forgiveness working in my life because I am forgiving. If I refuse to forgive, I'm walking around like this. And we sometimes even know it because we feel weighed down. We feel weighed down. We feel weighed down. And then one day we wake up and say, why do I just feel ecky all the time? It's because of this right here this right here we were made to be free but we aren't living in freedom amen so we go to the next slide freedom isn't free it's going to cost us giving up our will our choices it's going to cost us making right decisions when it's not easy It's going to cost us sacrifice your yearning for the cause of Christ. It's going to cost us. It's going to cost us this. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from us. It might cost you your desires. It might cost you some mental battleground times. It might cost us some stop those actions. It might cost us all this. Jesus paid for the whole package, but it's going to cost me in the place of my choice and will. Amen, because freedom isn't free, okay? Jesus paid. He paid for us to be free from that sin, that we would never have a domination of anything in our life but him alone. So we have to be willing to accept the price he paid and be unwilling to yield to any sin or any separation from God. It can be busyness. It can be mental torment. It can be all kinds of things. Jesus paid for that thing to be out of the way. Amen? So like a starving, hungry person, Jesus has made a full feast And we become unwilling to eat just because we won't make the choice. Eat the freedom. Eat the freedom. Just eat, which means just obey. Because freedom isn't free. It requires a life of obedience by daily acts of obedience. So let's look at another scripture here in 1 Peter 2. This is a long one. It says, for this is the will of God. But by doing good, you may put to silence the ignorance of foolish men as free, yet not using liberty as a cloak for vice. What is that? So we're made free, but what happens? Some people do all kinds of crazy things in the name of freedom. They'll go and rip off a jewelry store in Southern California in the name of freedom. They will go and shoot up someplace in the name of freedom. They will do abortions in the name of freedom. There's all kinds of chaos, and all of those things are nothing but a cloak for vice, getting them to do what they want to do, a cloak, a covering, or a veil, all right? This vice. Now listen to what the word vice means. It means wickedness, depravity, evil, trouble, malice, Ill will, but specifically the desire to injure. So they use freedom or liberty as a veil for their desire to hurt somebody. They're using that as I'm free, I'm free. And what has happened is no one is taking an accumulation or an accounting of how much it costs everybody else. We get concerned with how much does it cost me? See, but this cloak for vice is a hiding to injure somebody. And he says, don't do that, but rather as bond servants of God. What a bond servant is, is one who willingly submits to God. See, God never forces you to submit to Him. But once you give in to doing darkness or sin, the enemy is always lurking. Because once He gets you to commit something, then He condemns you for doing it. Amen? It becomes that covering. But look at what He says He gives instructions honor all people, love the brotherhood, fear God. Honor the king. Servants, be submissive to your masters with all fear, not only to the good and gentle, but also to the harsh. What he's saying is this is what real liberty looks like. If you're really free, you will honor all people. If you're really free, you'll love the brotherhood. You will fear God. You will honor the the king. If you're really free, this is what you would do. So anything else is not freedom. Amen. Hallelujah. So this is a quote that I don't know where it came from. I just had it in my notes. It says, true liberty is living as we should, not as we please. True liberty is living as we should, not as we please. Now, I understand that some people have had wrong things done to them. But what becomes key is recognizing and realizing God wants us out from any umbrella of darkness, amen? Because true liberty does not give us a license to do what we want, but it gives us an opportunity to become what He made us to be. True liberty is not about getting to do what we want. It's about becoming who He's made us to be, amen? But being enslaved gets in the way, And what happens is the enemy uses guilt and condemnation to keep us from being who we are called to be because freedom isn't free. We have to be willing and obedient, okay? And this is the thing about it. Sometimes when we're walking in life, because God isn't specifically dealing with us, we think we're getting by with it. This is something I've learned. God's silence is not consent. God's silence is not consent. And Pastor always says this to me. They're mistaking my mercy and not dealing with it as my agreement for it. Kind of like if I don't talk about it, they think it's okay. Not necessarily. Because if... We don't intentionally go the way of God we'll we'll easily fall into the ways of the world. See, following God is intentional. The ways of the world are automatic because the enemy is the God of this world. So we must be willing and obedient. Okay, now um, I was looking for some definitions of what freedom is. Okay, now look at these definitions of freedom. The condition or right of being able or allowed to do, say, think, etc., whatever you want to without being controlled or limited. But, see, they put no condition on what it's going to do to someone else. The next one out of the Collins Dictionary said, the state of being allowed to do what you want. Now, if I was going to ask people, most people would say, yeah, that's what freedom is allowed to do whatever you want. Okay, dictionary.com said, the state of being free or at liberty rather than in confinement or under physical restraint. They talk more about physical, physical things, like imprisonments. Oh, here's one. The absence of necessity, coercion, or constraint in choice or action. Hmm. These are all modern definitions of freedom. Now, let's go to the Webster 1828 Dictionary. A state of exemption from the power or control of another. Liberty, exemption from slavery, servitude, or confinement. Freedom is personal, civil, political, and religious. Freedom is inclusive of all those things personal life the civil life the political life and the religious life so all of those are integrated into what freedom really looks like hallelujah because freedom isn't just getting to do whatever i want to do because freedom isn't free all right so we're going to go to one more scripture here and then we got a couple things we're going to do here second corinthians three seventeen says this now the Lord is the Spirit and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. That's where liberty is. Liberty is wherever God is. If God isn't there, there's not liberty. If God isn't there, there isn't liberty. Where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. See, liberty is a place of agreement with God. He paid for for that kind of liberty. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, we're unshackled, unchained, we're forgiven, we're liberated and free. And that is not under this. That is not under this. Grief is a barrier. Sorrow is a barrier. Infirmity is a barrier. And where the Spirit of the Lord is, this is removed so we can be completely free. All right? So what we have to do is endeavor to live where the Spirit of the Lord is. Get into the presence of God. Amen? And then when we're in the presence of God, where the Spirit of the Lord is, we are dominated by Him, controlled by Him, led by Him, helped by Him, empowered by Him. So we are truly free in Him. What can the devil do? To a person that has the power of God on them. What could the devil do to a person that God is leading? What could the devil do to a person that God is helping? Nothing. Nothing. Because that is freedom. When we're completely one with him. Um, He is the, you know, remember this. God is the ultimate free one. If anybody has been trash talked, talked bad about, been blamed, been accused, um, done wrong, it's God. And yet, he's free. Unhindered and unhurt. See, the freer we are, the less pain we feel. The freer we are, the less we get affected by others. The freer we are, the less circumstances entrench us. All right? You know, um, they couldn't threaten our founding fathers with death because they were willing to give their life. They couldn't enslave them with the thought of, if you do this, we're going to kill you. and Because they, they just said, go ahead, Sure. And so sometimes we have to be willing to take that on. Our freedom wasn't free, but he gives it to us freely. I mean, he's not charging us something to be free. And all it is is the cost of submitting, which is receiving. He paid for healing. He paid for salvation. He paid from all this deliverance from the enemy. And what happens is we want to earn it. We want to make ourselves deserving of it. But what happens is when we go to pay for those things that he freely wants us just to submit to, then what happens is we get to a place where we are trying to earn what we can't earn, which brings us into a slavery, and then we can't receive what's already been free. Because we get into the bondage of trying to be good enough to receive it. Just receive it. All right, and then what happens is we get so free that we can use our freedom to make others free because maybe your freedom depends on the fact that I'm free and have a connection to God to pray and intercede, declare some things to help make you free. See, every time someone else in the body of Christ gets freer, not only does the body get enlarged, but the body comes alive a little bit more. Amen. The more free we are, the more we can make others free. And I have to tell you this story. Just this week, this story was shared to me by somebody in our church. And they said that when, I don't remember if they were 19 or uh, brother was 19. Surely, maybe you can help me when she was telling us. She had lost her brother and then she'd lost another brother. And um, she was grieved and sad about that. And she was talking about how heavy. And, you know, this has been 50 years ago. Heavy was hanging on her. And she said one day she said, gone, because this is what was happening. This is what was happening. She wasn't free. She could feel she wasn't free. So one day she said, all I did, she said, is I just said, Jesus, and she cried out. All she said was Jesus, and she said, I just went like this, Jesus, and it broke. Because what that did is it penetrated that crust that was trying to be a barrier between her and God. And all she knew to do was just cry out, Jesus, at the top of her lungs, she said, and it broke. And she said, the peace of God came on me, and I felt different from that time on. Because, see, Jesus had already paid for her freedom, and the enemy was just trying to put something on her. Hallelujah. Freedom isn't free. Someone sacrifices for it. So in light of this today, um, this is a decree we're going to make today. It's called the Watchman Decree. And some of you may have seen it this week. But what the watchman has decree is a decree over our nation Amen. that we are free and we're not going to settle down till everyone is free. Yes. Amen. And so this is a decree that a number of people have drafted for the army of the Lord to begin to decree. So we're going to decree this together. And then at the, after the service, if you would like it, there's copies of this out at the Connect Center. Amen. Amen. So in closing today, I would like us all to stand and we are going to, um, there's a video so you can sing along if you like of the Star Spangled Banner that we recognize and realize that is a nation founded by God, freed because of Jesus and we the church are the free ones to live and operate in that freedom. Amen.
1: Anyway, praise the Lord. God is so good, amen. Anybody free in the house today? Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus, for our freedom, amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for the freedom in our nation that we do have, amen. And amen, I believe, gaining much of it back, amen. Praise God. I believe that with all my heart, amen. I was thinking of a a reference as Trudy was uh, showing us the, the whole thing with the umbrella And uh, the Scripture says in in, uh, the Gospels, in, in Matthew 6, if that light that is in you is dark, then how dark is that darkness? In other words, you know, you can go around thinking you're in the light when you're really in the dark. And then it comes down to this, okay, if you're actually in the dark, then how dark is that dark? Because, you know, we've deceived. We think we're in the light, but we're really in the dark. And so when she's talking about all the different things, that sometimes we have a tendency to submit to or to yield to. And and really, even though Jesus paid a price for all of it. See, you think you're in the light, but what happens is you're actually in the dark. And then what happens is that deception sometimes can get so thick, you don't even realize it. and You're really walking in the dark and it gets darker all the time. So I, my heart is that, We walk free from the dark. Amen. Come out from under that, the shadow of whatever mess that is. Praise God. Amen. And let Jesus, praise God, be king in all areas of our life. Can I hear a big amen? Give God praise, everybody.
0: Thanks for listening. If you'd like to watch the video of this message, head over to vimeo.com forward slash wovictory or go to Jerry Roberts Ministry on Roku. For more information about who we are and what we do here at Order Victory, check out the website at wovictory.org. That's wovictory.org. See you there.